Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Labby, Chief People Officer at TopTel. I'm coming to you live from Collision in Toronto, and I'm excited to welcome my guest, Jordan Fisher, CEO of Standard AI. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. AI is revolutionizing every aspect of our lives, from fulfilling complex search queries to analyzing millions of data points in seconds. The world leader in retail AI, Standard AI, has developed a groundbreaking shopping solution that enables customers to enter a store, tap their phone at the kiosk, grab what they need, and exit without any weight or physical exchange of currency. This cutting-edge technology is poised to forever change the way consumers shop and dramatically improve the retail experience. Standard AI's journey began in 2017 when it was co-founded by our guest today, Jordan Fisher, who currently serves as the company's CEO. Throughout his career, Jordan has dedicated himself to both fundamental research and product development, exploring diverse fields such as computational fluid dynamics, securities regulations, video games, machine learning, and retail. Under Jordan's leadership, Standard AI recently accomplished a significant milestone by acquiring Skip, a cloud-based self-checkout system that makes shopping even faster and more convenient. I'm delighted to have Jordan here with me today at Collision, and I look forward to learning more about his inspiring journey and remarkable advancements of Standard AI. Awesome. Welcome. Great to be here. So we are live here at Collision, as we know, and the energy is amazing. Everyone's talking about AI. I've heard that AI is a thing. Yes. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Um, why is it so important for people to attend these tech conferences? Yeah, I think you get especially when you're an entrepreneur or you're an early stage startup, you get so focused, you have to, right? Like 99% of your world has to be building a product and taking it to market and making sure you're building the right thing. And, you know, it's, you can get tunnel vision. And it's really important to also recognize that there's a million other things happening, especially where in, you know, in the middle of probably one of the biggest software revolutions in history with AI, you need to take a step back every now and then and see what everyone else is, is doing, what they're building. And also they want to hear from you. What are you building? So I think there's there's this moment where you really need to be part of a community, even as you're also building your own company. Absolutely. So how does standard AI define its vision and what are your goals for the future? That's a big question. <laughs> you know, we're actually an older, we started before you could say AI. You know, if you go yep. back when we started in 2017, it was actually kind of a faux pas. You were like, oh, we do AI. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, no one wants that. You sound like that. a crazy person. Yes. Uh, you do machine learning. That was, that sounded like, you that know, was the sophisticated proper term. And, <laughs> you know, but we've had this thesis for a long time, which is really about embracing the physical world. How do we transform our everyday spaces and experiences? And I think the history of technology has been all about the digital and the things that are behind our screens. And we as humans are adaptive, but we've had to adapt to the technology, right? You know, we teach our kids how to touch type. And, you know, now we're like touchscreen native from the age of two, you know, like, like mm-hmm. we've adapted to the technology. But I think what's so powerful about computer vision and the power of AI now is actually the technology can start adapting to us 
and we can put up cameras, AI-powered cameras in our physical spaces, and the AI natively understands how we act in those spaces, what we're doing, what is you know what are our human actions, and then we can layer on great product experiences on top of that. And I think it's really the first time where the technology is strong enough to meet us all the way to just really understand who we are without us having to adapt backwards. Wow. That's exciting. I mean, I know it's kind of general and vague, right? But no, like, no, no. I think that's like a, that's a core, for me, that's a core thesis. And, you know, the implications of that, I think, transform all of, you know, not just physical commerce and retail, which we're going after, but, you know, all of physical industry. Anywhere yeah. where there's a space, you put cameras up and you can transform it. Absolutely. Yes. I've been to some of those spaces, actually, like nice. in New York City, when you could just click and walk out and yeah. you almost feel like you're stealing something. Yeah. We, like, like, we <laughs> say it's like, it's like you're stealing, but you pay for it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I can grab all these things and someone's going to get me for it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's weird at first and then it's kind of liberating too. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we're used to technology having some physicality to it and suddenly you're kind of cutting all the cords. Computer vision is, it's, you know, wireless basically, right? So there is no physicality to it. It just works. And that's, you know, there's a magic to it and also a discomfort to it at first because you're not, you're used to like holding something in your hand or like interacting with a machine and suddenly all that just kind of, you know, goes away. away. Yeah, absolutely. So I was attended your session yesterday about the future of e-commerce, which was amazing. I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. So would you mind telling our listeners what the future of retail looks like from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, so many things, we only had 20 minutes Yesterday, and that was, you know, you know, you need 20 hours to talk about about this topic. Yeah, I do really think it is about choice, fundamentally. Like, we're, we're you know, it's a big world. We're 7 billion people. Retail is $25 trillion plus. It's one of the biggest industries in the world. And that means it's incredibly diverse. And, you know, you've got high-end experiences, low-end experiences. You've got people who want to, you know, shop from their couch. You've got people that want to go into the store. Um, and, you know, you want you know, cost-effective entry to the market. You want like, you know, I want to spend $20,000 on a couch. You know, we were talking yesterday, we were talking about restoration hardware, which is like, you know, for those who don't know, it's like a, it's a high-end furniture store where you can also have a high-end cocktail, right? So it's like, you can walk in, have an amazing cocktail on an amazing couch. And then at the end of it, you could be like, yeah, I think I'll buy this couch. $20,000. For twenty thousand dollars, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, or you just have. Or it was just very comfortable. It's a super <laughs> comfortable couch, yeah. So you know, I think you know, retail is is in the business of not just selling things; it's also selling experiences. And uh, I think we can do that a lot better with AI. AI allows us to be more more personalized. It also allows us to make things more convenient, which is the business that we're in. Is you know, great. How do we take all of these experiences? You know, in the U.S., for example, there's one hundred fifty thousand convenience stores. How do we take just that collection of experiences and say, can we make this better? Can I get rid of that two, minute of fric- two minutes of friction that you do every day when you go to get your coffee at a convenience store? Can I get rid of that? Can I make your life a little better every single day? And I think that's the, that's the power of AI is this ability to just take everything we have today, make it a little bit better, as well as unlock completely new opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, where in, you know, I think about apparel, for example, where you can uh, – you know, one of my uh, friends is running a company that uh, they do apparel try-on basically. Right? You, know, you can take a – image of a, of a t-shirt and be like, actually, what does it look like on, on this person? Mm-hmm. Right. And suddenly you get a more personalized experience while you're shopping online. Uh, so I think there's going to be new experiences and there's just going to be better existing experiences. Yeah. I feel like eyeglasses have done that for a while. Like the try on at home and put yeah. your face on. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Very near. Yeah. And I think that's, like, that's a pattern too, is like in the past, there's been these like very narrow applications mm-hmm. and now suddenly AI makes it easy to take those narrow applications and make them, you know, much more broad and uh, robust too. It's very convenient. And more convenient. Yes. That's the theme. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was surprised yesterday. The thing that's one of the things that stuck with me from your talk was you said data was dead. 
You said it during your session. And it's so interesting coming from so many companies and the world of like, you need data to support that. You need analytics to support that. What's the data around that? So, you know, I just wanted to understand like your opinion on that and where that was coming from. Yeah. You know, I I think it's, it's, there's a lot of conversations happening right now in, in the AI space around what's your moat. Right. And I think everyone's kind of freaking out a little bit because on the one hand with AI, and you know, I think this is really relevant for, for talent and how you build teams on the one hand, it's really exciting because you can build an amazing product now with like two people, you know, or three people. I saw this joke on Twitter the other day, which is like, uh, the ideal startup, uh, you know, five years ago was CEO, CTO, technical, uh, you know, first engineer, second engineer, basically, right? Uh, and, you know, now 2023, it's CEO, GPT, GPT, GPT. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I think yep. what's, yeah, what's cool is you That's can true. you can build amazing things with just one person or two people, right? So it totally changes the, the nature of the game, changes the nature of talent. You have to move really quickly. That's exciting. It's energizing. But then it's also kind of scary, too, because you're like, well, if I could build this myself without having to first build an amazing team, then someone else can do it too. And it's going to get commoditized really quickly. So I think everyone is kind of feeling around for what is the moat. And the traditional moat in machine learning is data. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually, you know, that's the, you know, the real uh, crux of it, right? Yep. Like the models aren't that hard to do. Uh, building a team was hard, but getting the data was really hard. Uh, but what's c- crazy now is these models, the foundation models are so strong. They're so powerful out of the box uh, that you don't even need any data sometimes, or maybe you only need a little bit of data to either fine tune it or like two shot prompt it to get a good product for your own application. So suddenly, not only are you a two person company that can build it quickly, you don't even need that huge treasure of data. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, it's disruptive to the big incumbents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, like, where's your moat? Cause it's not going to be building a team. It's not going to be building the models. It's not going to be having the data, right? It's like, what is the mode? And, you know, for me, the mode is actually what's old is new again, right? The mode is great product. Like you have to understand your space really well. You have to understand your go-to-market. Uh, and you have to be a master of that, that craft, of like building a great experience. You're leveraging these new tools. So the people who I think win are the ones that are able to adapt quickly, understand the parameters of this new world that we're in, but then take the advantage of that to craft a really refined, amazing product for a very specific go-to-market. Right. And the customer experience. And the customer experience, that's everything. exactly yeah. right. So that's what you're focused on. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So um, I'm TopTel's chief people officer, right? So I'm all things HR. So I'm always curious to learn about emerging trends or technologies that are going to have an impact on HR, no. staffing, recruiting, training. So what do you see in this space? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, anything that has a little bit of drudgery associated mm-hmm. with it, you know, you know, data entry as an example, right? Or, you know, even, you know, on the talent side of outreach of trying to find the right people, it's, you know, it's challenging. And you mm-hmm. usually you sit down with a recruiter and you calibrate, you know, like, here's the profile that I'm looking for. And, you know, you're, you know, maybe I'm the one who's the hiring manager. I'm a deep expert on computer vision or whatever, right? And the recruiter's not. So I need to, like, explain to them what are the things that I'm seeing in this LinkedIn profile that are kind of like green flags, red flag, you know, like, that's actually really hard to do. And you do this whole calibration process. That's stuff that, you know, an LLM can do basically for you nowadays, right? Like here's, here's what looks interesting to me. Here's what's not, you know, you do an embedding of that and then you're off to the races. Uh, so I think, you know, of course we'll see products, SaaS products that will do that for us. Right. Um, but a lot of companies are just doing it internally because they, they have a, a good enough engineering team. And if you look at like OpenAI, I think they're just dog fooding a lot of this internally. They're like, oh, well, we're doing outbound. We're just going to use GPT to do our own outbound, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing outbound for talent. We'll just use, you know, like they're dog fooding it. 
I think the bigger, more you know, sophisticated companies will just do it themselves. But then, of course, there's going to be this cornucopia of, of startups that will hyper-specialize in helping with you know, HR, whether it's talent or internal, et cetera. So I think it's really early days. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see it in recruiting and things you know, where we record interviews, for instance, and then we have them um, scripted so then somebody can read the outcome, right? So we, yeah. we've started to use it and use things when we're searching LinkedIn for certain profiles. But yeah, exactly. from an HR perspective of that touch and that emotional and the empathy. Yeah, you can never replace. Yeah. You can you can simulate and maybe it's, you know, who knows what's happening inside of yes. the model. Maybe it's. Maybe know. they're getting emotional <laughs> yeah, right. on the inside. Who, who knows, knows right? Yeah. You know, it's, you know uh, theory of mind is, you know, complicated. Uh, but certainly it's able to emulate. But, you know, there, there's a difference between that and knowing that another human actually cares. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's priceless. So I, I think. AI is going to be in the business of getting rid of the drudgery so that when you are having a human experience, it's way more, it's actually more genuine because right. Right? you're focused just on that, that piece that n- nothing else can simulate. Right. The administrative stuff is gone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think the same for, you know, finance and building yeah. financial models and, you know, doing legal, legal, <laughs> yeah, legal for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. So all, all that stuff I think is, is just really ripe for, for disruption over the next probably, I want to, I want to say like two years, but really it's like three months, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> they're just moving. I was just going to say it. So in the future, so, you know, what do you see are some of the biggest challenges coming down for AI in, in the coming years? Oh, it's a good, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's definitely adapt or die, first of all, right? So I think from a business perspective, it's really easy to be like, well, look, here's how we, you know, this used to be an advantage as you build up all your internal processes and you have a lot of, you know, cultural DNA about how you work together and that's that's part of the strength of the companies you've built up this way that the company runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but suddenly, actually, you need to reevaluate everything or die, I think. And there'll be an advantage to new companies who are like, well, we're AI native, right? Not just in terms of the product that we build, but the way that we run our company, the way that we run our team, the way that we collaborate together, like we're AI native. Uh, so they're going to have a huge advantage. And I think the danger uh, right now is how do com- existing companies modernize more quickly, right? And this isn't like a... You know, if you look at past technology revolutions, you had like five to 10 years to kind of like right. see the trend and be like, okay, well, you know, we'll slowly adapt. I think now it's like, what are you, what are you doing tomorrow? Yeah. Like what's your, what's your, you know, generative AI? We just internally rolled out our generative AI policy for, not for the products we build, but just for our engineers who want to use it to write code faster, right? Like, yeah. And that was probably too slow. We probably should have had a gen AI policy six months ago. Yeah. Right? We've been talking about the same thing. Okay. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I can relate to you because... You know, we Toptel has been fully remote since we started yeah. almost 13 years ago. Never had an office, always been remote. So to me, it's I feel that with you is it's also adapting to the remote. Like people are going remote now. Yeah. If you don't offer remote, you're going to kind of be left behind. No one wants dedicated back to office, but hybrid. I think there's some people that right. like it. But yeah, mostly people are team remote, I think. Yeah. So I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you for this amazing conversation, Jordan. I appreciate it. So one last question um, that I ask all of my guests is, what has been your proudest moment as a leader? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it it always comes down to team, ultimately, you know, building an amazing team, finding, you know, an amazing talent that you're like, oh, like, I need to get you on board. And, you know, you work hard, you finally, you finally close them, get them integrated into the, to the team. And then you see them take something that, you know, you had in your head, maybe you weren't even working on it yet. You just had like this vision of like, this should be the way that this part of the company runs or this part of the product looks, uh, you know, finding that person, setting them up for success and then seeing it, seeing it take off is, 
you know, super, super exciting. You know, we have many examples of that, but I think it's always about, you know, finding someone and having them succeed. It's just a great, great feeling. Awesome. Well, Jordan Fisher, CEO of Standard AI, thank you so much for joining me today. No, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Michelle Labby. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptel.com slash insights. Hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.